So I just wanted to start by asking you, and either of you can answer this, but just when and how TCA started in the first place. Well, I'm going to give Simon a little bit of credit before, uh, before we get started so that you have a little bit of the background. Uh, Simon was involved with the sister charity called the Teenage Cancer Trust, mm -hmm. which was started in England, which I'll let Simon expand on. But I was lucky enough to be able to convince Simon to leave his home in England and come to America and join me in America on the road to developing what is now Teen Cancer America. Wow. And it was an amazing opportunity. I was very surprised that Simon agreed to doing that. And it's been one of the greatest things that happened to me on the road to the success that we're starting to experience now because Simon is the best in the business. And to have him be my partner in running this organization has been a tremendous gift to me. And so that's a little bit of the background. And Simon, do you want to expand on that? Well, yeah, I mean, thank you, Rebecca. And of course, that the, the feeling's mutual because we wouldn't be able to run it without, without you and all the, the, what you've brought to the charity. But basically, um, yeah, we started in 2012 here because... Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend, and, and Roger in particular, wanted to do something in America along the lines that we had been doing in the UK. Mm -hmm. So in the UK, we'd been developing these specialist programs for young people with cancer that bridged the gap between pediatric and adult care. Um, and Roger was absolutely determined that we should do something in America because his motivation was supporting the youth that had enabled them to be successful mm -hmm. and so um they were they were as indebted to american youth as they were to british youth mm -hmm. and so he wanted to do something over here because he knew it was needed and so that's how it started um and i think his chosen two were me on the uh on the on the side of um developing the programs and rebecca on the side of developing networks and funding and support and I think that's been a pretty good partnership so far, don't you, Rebecca? I think it's been a great partnership, better than I would have expected. Now, we didn't know each other. We weren't friends. We didn't have any history together. And we have worked together seamlessly since our paths have crossed. And it's been a remarkable partnership. And Simon also has a lot of credit for developing a staff of people where we have very little turnover. Mm -hmm. Wow. So our hospitals have the opportunity to deal with the same team and the same people yeah. on an ongoing basis, and they become integrated with our partner hospitals. So all in, all in all, it's been a remarkably good and effective partnership. 
Amazing. And when did it start in England before? You said 2012 in America, but when did it start in England? Yeah, actually, um, the beginnings go right back to 1990. Wow. Um, uh, I would say it really got going around 2000, but 1990 was the, the, when it was first realised there was a problem mm -hmm. and that these um, young teenagers were not fitting into paediatric wards and the older teenagers and young adults were not fitting into adult wards. Mm -hmm. The average age in a children's hospital is six. The average age in an adult hospital is 60. And you're ex that exact age where you know, you would you would have that experience of really not feeling like you would fit in um, to a paediatric ward or when you get a bit older to an adult ward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for those that don't know, just kind of what are some of the main goals of the organization? Well, um, we want every young person in America who has cancer to have access to these specialized programs and facilities. So every single cancer hospital that deals with them, we want them to have um, the best possible uh, chances of, of um, survival. Um, and that means having specialized programs for young people. So we're bridging that gap between pediatrics and adult care, developing specialist teams, and we don't want to stop until every young person has access. Um, and um, so, you know, Rebecca's got to carry on networking and getting these famous people and, and um, to keep raising money for us because, you know, that's our, that's our goal and we won't stop until we get there. Yeah. What's like a success that each of you are most proud of that you've been involved in, like since you've been part of the organization? You answer that, Rebecca, first. Do you want to do that? I think that... Well, one of the things that was the most uh, instrumental, uh, or not instrumental, but one of the things that had the greatest effect for me in this work was how the Teenage Cancer Trust's predecessor and then rolling into Teen Cancer America has been able to integrate with drug manufacturers and with hospitals mm -hmm. in such a way that we can become an advocate for a young person that's, be that's unfortunately gotten the cancer diagnosis. The other thing that has been very, um, I don't want to say surprising, but interesting to me is that so many of the teenage cancers are either late diagnosed or misdiagnosed. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we're really focusing on is making sure that the education part of the work that we're doing will help to get this to stop. Because a late diagnosis in many cases is the difference between a successful outcome and not a successful outcome. And this is something that, that Simon taught me. I really wasn't aware of that when I first got involved. And I'm um, extremely aware of it now. Mm -hmm. And I think that the work that we're doing will continue to enforce early diagnosis. And Roger Daltrey would tell you, if he was on this, he would tell you that most of the drug companies are late to spend money in developing drugs in this age group, because this age group is considerably smaller than the adult population. So those two things are things that we're working to make better and have made huge strides in this area. It's almost unimaginable how much progress we've made in that area. Yeah, I, I, I'd endorse that, you know, and I think um, to, to describe what we do with these hospitals that we work with um, is that we it's really like um, 
imagine a, a, the pediatric hospitals and the adult hospitals are grown up in silos and it's like a, a kind of a horrible merger between two companies they're not like each other and they don't fit each other and our job is to make sure that they can work together and work effectively and you can get situations where a young person um, who's under 18 can get an early onset adult cancer. So they can get a cancer that normally only appears in the adult world in a teenager. And the pediatricians don't know how to deal with that because it's not it's out of their experience. And exactly the same can ha happen in reverse. You can get a pediatric cancer turning up in a, somebody who's age 25 um, that the adult world don't know about either. So us bringing them together to create this synergy between them and to create a pro programs is really life-saving. Um, and um, it's enabling them to learn from each other and to be effective. Um, and I think it's our, our USP. Nobody else in the country is doing that. Um, and there's only Teen Cancer America that is, uh, that is working to, to achieve that. Mm -hmm. and, and to expand on that just a little bit more, I, I think it would be... Uh, we would be remiss in not mentioning uh, that we have a woman that works with us who interfaces, Hillary, who interfaces directly with the hospitals. And as a result of her work and her personality has, led it, uh, has lent itself to having more inbound phone calls than I think we would have ever expected to have. Mm -hmm. And because Hillary is so effective at her job and the hospitals know that when they reach out to us that we'll respond, Mm -hmm. That has made the hospital, the reputation inside of the hospitals, mm -hmm. one that we get so many inbound phone calls now to have an affiliation with the hospital mm -hmm. as a direct result of the fact that we are really trying to integrate with that population and to, to be as helpful as we can. And on the lines of that, I just from talking to Rebecca about you, Simon, like I know you've spent a lot of time in the hospitals with the kids and then or the teenagers and then the parents as well. Can you just talk about your experience and kind of I don't know how to even start, but um, and I'm sure you don't, but, you know, kind of. Well, you know, um, the challenge is, I mean, I, clearly at these ages, even in the young adults, this is a family issue. It's not an individual issue, as you can imagine. And so, you know, it's very much patients and families together. And and um, Roger will tell you that whenever he visits hospitals, it's actually the parents he, he, he often focuses his energy on as well because he knows that their rabbit's caught in a headlight. You know, they're terrified of what's going on, terrified of losing. But I think um, what I would say, though, is that... Um, the, Cancer can be a very isolating experience, and what uh, what we do in creating these environments and these ways in which young people come together is to give them a camaraderie and an opportunity to be treated together that they don't often get in a pediatric setting. They might be the only 17-year-old or in an adult setting, the only 22-year-old, and we provide this opportunity of bringing them together. And that's really important for this age group. And, and these are things that you all understand, Olivia, because some of the challenges that there are is that you're uh, at an age where they know what's going to ha what's happening to them. They know, 
you know, quite often they're very well researched and read up all about their cancers. And they're very aware of the impact that their illness is having on their family. And that itself becomes an extra burden. So you can imagine that as a young person, you don't want your parents or your, bro or your brothers or sisters to be distressed or upset. Mm -hmm. So very often young people don't always even share what they're going through, you know, or, or how bad they're feeling. Um, and so, but, but by creating environments and specialist staff who understand what they're going through, uh, we can create the opportunity for them to be together and to share that experience with each other as well as with their families. And that's really, really important component of what we do. Mm -hmm. um, so it's always challenging going into hospitals. What I, what I enthuses me and Rebecca can back me up with the young people that she's met, is just the incredible determination of the young people that we do meet and the bravery. And I'm sure your friend would be in that category yeah. um, of how much they uh, believe um, in, their, uh, in, 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 the, uh, in, in taking part and being positive about their experience and making the most of it. Um, and some of the people that um, we have met um, are breathtakingly um, motivational in themselves, you know, just to see what they're going through, what they're dealing with. Um, and when they come out the other side, if they do come out, um, that as well, you know, they, they're, they're changed people by the experience and not always in a bad way. I mean, clearly they're changed and adversely affected, but they can come out incredibly strong and uh, motivated people. Um, and brave Mm -hmm. so brave. Yeah. Sure. Also, Olivia, I want I would be remiss if I didn't tell you uh, that the support that Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend, I, I don't know if you know them or have ever met them. Yeah. But they're the two front men for the who. Yeah. Um, they're both friendly with your dad. The support and the determination and the unselfish devotion to getting this charity open in America. Roger was, I say this to you sort of sarcastically tongue in cheek, but Roger, when Roger and I met each other, he was relentless to me for two years to open up a sister charity to the one in, in Great Britain. Mm -hmm. And I kept saying, no, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. He said, you're not too busy for this. You have to do this because this is something that we need. And he was relentless until I said yes. But the point is, is that he and Pete are relentless to everybody. Mm. They are relentless in their support. And they are relentless in their devotion and their ambition to change the way that teenagers who get a cancer diagnosis get treated in hospitals and in home care. Yeah. And the support that they've gotten from people like your dad mm -hmm. and Dave Grohl and Joan Jet and the Blackhearts and Ed Sheeran. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Is that when you ask these people to help to have us have a successful mission mm -hmm. in growing the teenage cancer facilities across the country to help this age group is unrelenting. Mm -hmm. And there is never a time where I pick up the phone and I say something to anybody, including including your dad and Roger. And I mean, it's a very long list of people that don't say, yes, what can I do to help? Yeah. Because this is a terrible age group to lose somebody. It's just terrible. You know this. You've had personal experience. My brother died of a brain tumor. Mm. You know, he was a young man in the, in the beginning of his life. Yeah. So, you know, this is what the work that we're doing is very small in scale, 
but very large in importance. Yeah. You know, we really want to change the way that teenagers that get a cancer diagnosis get treated in hospitals and the drug companies help to develop drugs in this space. And they put a focus on saving the lives of these young people who are clearly our future. Yeah. And so, you know, this is the, the, the credit for this and the, the unbelievable relentless determination of our founders have brought us to where we are today. And because of the work that they've done, and Simon knows this number better than I do, but we've touched the lives of thousands of teenagers that have had a cancer diagnosis that we would not have known or supported if this, this path hadn't been started. And we will continue on this path until we succeed in our mission. Yeah. Yeah. And Rebecca, you mentioned you had a personal experience with your brother and like um, what, and you kind of, I guess, touched on how Roger was reaching out, but what made each of you want to get involved in the first place? Simon, you want to go first? Yeah, I mean, um, actually, professionally, I've always been somewhere along the social care um, um, continuum. I, I have worked with other groups with people with disabilities in the past. Mm -hmm. um, but what captured me about this group was just such a, such an obvious gap, you know, in treatment and support. Um, when I first was um, approached about getting involved in in, in the British charity, um, it, it, it just didn't seem, it just, it was hard to believe that young people had been left behind in the way they had, you know, that children were looked after, adults were looked after, and young people did, just did not get the same service. And so for me, that was highly motivational. And, and I have to say, it's, that hasn't changed. That You know, it's still the primary reason why, I, why I'm motivated and enthusiastic to do this is simply because, uh, um, you know, this is such a, an obvious thing to fix, but it's, be, it's proved over the years to be very difficult. And we are at the forefront of making that change. And that's what keeps me going. Mm -hmm. um, and I, dare I say it, even more than, you know, being part of the Who's Charity, that's not, it's not my personal motivation. I love being with <laughs> the Who. Normal. It's just that thing. You know, I, I want to change this thing and make it, you know, so that it just becomes mainstream and young people get the best and optimum treatment that they can. And mm. that's, that's what motivates me. Yeah, I think that um, my answer to that is largely the same, but slightly different in that um, when Roger approached me to do this, um, I, I can't tell you how busy I am just in the best of circumstances. I have four sons. I now have four daughters-in-law. I have four grandbabies. I have a huge job. I'm really, really busy. I have a very big job. I manage billions of dollars of people's money. I have a husband who I love. And I thought I had about seven free minutes a day. And <laughs> over time, I now spend at least 20% of my day every day wow. working with Simon as a partner to, to further the mission of Teen Cancer America. Mm -hmm. And without this age group, you know, there would be no, we have no future if we don't fix these problems. The people that are in your age group are our future. Yeah. And we have to help them. We have to help them to get a better outcome. Mm -hmm. We have to help them to get a cancer that, that is curable. Mm -hmm. It's really, really important. And we, you know, you, I don't mean to sound snotty, but when you talk to a 70 year old person who has a cancer diagnosis, 
it's sad, but it's not as heartbreaking as a 15-year-old person who gets a cancer diagnosis, who has their life ahead of them. And Simon and I, together with our team and the hospitals that we're partners with, will find cures. We will find ways to make this better. We will find ways to make uh, the situation have a better outcome. And we will relentlessly push the ball up the field with our noses to get to the yes. Mm -hmm. And um, Simon knows this. I am relentless in raising money. I'm relentless in wanting to have uh, success that goes on and on and on. And we want to grow this to a place that we don't have to be in business anymore because we've found the solution for these problems. So we really effectively would like to put ourselves out of business. Yeah. Um, And and also the other thing to point out, and we haven't talked about this yet, but this is a really important thing. We have a very prestigious and effective board. Mm -hmm. I'm the chairman of the board. We have um, 12 people on our main board and I don't even know how many side members we have now, but all of us work for free. All of us are in there relentlessly. We don't have turnover on our board and we all have a single vision focus on getting the team cancer uh, outcomes to be better than they are today. And we work in great unison on, and it's just, it's incredibly important that we continue to do what we're doing. And we rely on people like your dad to help us raise money. You know, your dad shows up in the backyard, people pay us $5,000 a ticket to see him perform and he doesn't charge us. And I can tell you how many other people in his, his popularity and his level of success that have done the same. We couldn't do this without people like him. Hmm. We could be, we would never have been as successful as we are to date without that kind of support. That's super cool to hear as his kid. I just wanted to kind of wrap it up by asking what, you know, the organization's biggest goal is maybe for the next year, or if there's just like, I guess it's kind of an ongoing thing, as you've mentioned, like you're not going to stop until you fix what you want to fix and all these, all the things that there needs to be fixed. But um, is there something you're working on right now or something more specific to the next year or five years? I just want to start with that because I think you're you're the best person to finish it, Rebecca. But I think that um, we've just come out of two years of pandemic, um, which adversely affected us. You know, we were um, probably a little bit over-reliant on the WHO and what they could bring us in terms of their resources. But the fact that we had no public events where we could raise money, Plus, we had um, a hospital system that was seriously under pressure because of all the things that the COVID pandemic brought them. And that that had a ripple effect that then affected the young people with cancer who became more isolated or who, if they were going to get sick, um, you know, to the point of maybe not surviving, they couldn't have their parents come and visit them because of the pandemic and all the you know, horrible pressures. So we had pressures from, from money and resources and pressures from the hospital system. And so, you know, our, our immediate goal, and we've already started, uh, is to get back on that uh, bike and make sure that we can continue to deliver. We've just started to open up our grants again so we can provide more money to hospitals and uh, we're working effectively in programs all, all over the country um, and Rebecca is um, like a um, like a firework heading for uh, to make sure that we get some, we get enough money to do more of it you know and to raise more to raise more money because we have to you know we have to get ourselves back in order 
um, and so we can give many more grants out to more hospitals. So the yeah, the immediate future is is getting us back on track, um, which I believe I, I'm very confident that we're going to do this year. Um, and then just back on that journey of making sure we deliver for these young people in as fast a time as possible. If we had if we, if we had many millions more, we would get this jo job done quicker. It's as simple as that. We have a formula now. We can do it. We know we can do it. Um, we probably work with four or five hospitals a year to do it. But if we had the money, we could do it. We could work with 20 hospitals a year. Yeah. So um, that's that's our plan. But I think, you know, I mean, but surely, uh, Rebecca, you can say much more about how dynamic we have to get on on the fundraising platform. Yeah, I think that the that what Simon just said is exactly right. I mean, we're in a set of circumstances now where we have had a difficult time raising money for the last couple of years. Um, we're starting to see the forest for the trees now. Um, we're working right now on trying to put together. We do a big event every other year that we refer to as the backyard. Mm -hmm. uh, which is our primary fundraiser where, where your dad has performed. Well, was there last year with the two with the Foo Fighters and um, Pink was there and Kenny Loggins and, you know, a bunch of people. But we get an enormous amount of support from the music industry. And a lot of that goes hand in a glove with, with the fact that musicians all perform and they want young people to be their, their uh, ticket buyers and their fans. And so it, it, it's a very good partnership in that they want teenagers to do well and show up for their shows. And we want the teenagers to do well and show up for their shows. Okay. So we want them to survive. And our work is, we're nowhere near done. I mean, we have a long way to go. And this is something that will outlive both Simon and I. Hmm. And we will continue, you know, as long as we can to work together to to accomplish the goals of, of Teen Cancer America, to get facilities and partnerships open in all of the major cancer centers in the country. Right. And we are single focused on this. Mm -hmm. There's not a day that goes by where poor Simon has, doesn't have to talk to me. <laughs> hey, Simon, what do you think about this? And um, but we have an excellent partnership and we are uh, literally um, laser focused on getting money into the uh, charity and to get um, partnerships across the country established with hospitals. And we won't give up until we're done. Amazing. It's not happening. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. And, you know, I've been trying to find something to do to, you know, kind of take action on.